0: Use the hate, don't act the fool, spewing words, vile and cruel, live by five, the golden rule, consider it kind, and just be cool.
1: Hey, welcome to the Just Be Cool show. I'm Paco, and I'm here with my good friend Reggie, and we're the Just Be Cool guys.
2: Welcome. And if you haven't joined us before, this is actually, our show is actually the uh, extension of our summer 2020 anti-hate campaign.
1: Yeah, and we're really lucky. On this episode, we get a chance to interview Sarah Parker, a professional dancer and choreographer based out of New York City. She's appeared on Broadway, in films, and TV, and recently got a chance to perform and record a personal project called Least Common Denominator. Here's a clip.
0: Do you remember the term least common denominator? Do you remember what it means? So the least common denominator is when you have a bunch of different fractions and there is one common multiple among all of them. It's the one number that they can all be reduced down to. We have a least common denominator. You and me, we're all members of the species Homo sapiens. We're all humans. And that ties us together into a community that's not defined by our physical aspects like you got two eyes, two ears, and a spleen. We share hopes. We share dreams and pain and fear and desire and love. We share the unseen. Our least common denominator is the authentic, most inward, and hidden parts of ourselves.
2: I had an opportunity to chat with Sarah about the Least Common Denominator project.
3: Yeah, so um, over the past couple of months during the pandemic, I, I I work as a choreographer and a dancer, and over the past couple of months, you know, we haven't been able to get into a studio and collaborate with other people. And in order to kind of keep my creative juices flowing, I just started making up phrases at home in my apartment in my parents' house um, over the summer really. And a lot of those phrases ended up being like smaller gestural movements instead of big sweeping dancing, just because I was in an apartment and it didn't have space. And so I I found myself playing with kind of this new style of movement. And uh, I have a very good friend named Matt Ransdell Jr who's a spoken word artist. And he had been putting out a lot of pieces over the summer, uh, especially about Black Lives Matter and about social justice and stuff like that. And they just really moved me and inspired me. And I was like, you know, I think I'm gonna try to create a movement piece to one of these. And so him and I started collaborating and I created a couple solo pieces to his works. Um, and then At the end of the summer, I was given an opportunity to create a piece for an outdoor dance festival that was happening upstate New York, a very small socially distanced outdoor kind of thing. Um, And I was allowed to create a duet with one other person. And so I wasn't exactly sure what I was gonna do yet, but I asked my friend Yaman, who you know, uh, to collaborate on it with me because I've always wanted to make something with him. And I knew the theme that I wanted to go for in the text was, I really wanted it to be about human connection and about humanity and shared experience and and that kind of thing. And I just spent like days listening to speeches online on all different sites and platforms and poetry and all sorts of things. And I stumbled upon this TED Talk by this man named Brian Manuel, who He really um, just, he kind of helps like corporations build their teams and he, you know, gives talks about team building and that kind of thing. And the title of his speech was called the power of human connection. And I was like, what is that (laughs) click, you know? And um, I just was totally absorbed in this Ted talk that he did. And it was about 15 minutes, which is the usual length for a Ted talk. And I had to whittle it down to about three, So I spent a while kind of cutting and and pasting and editing his text to get it down to really like the core of what I wanted to say. Um, And then Yaman and I worked on developing the movement from there. And so we premiered it at this outdoor dance festival in late August and then went on to film it and make it into this little dance film that you just saw and showed um, and that we released about, I don't know, three, two or three weeks ago. Um, so that's kind of that's how nice. I, it came to be. Yeah. That's,
2: that's amazing. Um, and, and what kind of uh, um, feedback have you gotten uh, about
1: it?
3: So it was actually really overwhelming. I just kind of, you know, I wanted to make it into a film almost more so for personal documentation for me to like mm-hmm. remember what it was that we did. Um, and I ended up really liking what we made. So I was like, oh, let me put it out there and share it with people. And it got this overwhelming response and I don't have a, a huge social media following. So getting a lot of views is like not commonplace for me. Um, <laughs> but within the first couple hours we racked up like over 6,000 views and people from all throughout the arts community and outside of the arts community were reaching out to me telling me how much it moved them how they've never seen uh, choreography or dance used in this way, how, um, you know, the the text and the movement really worked as partners and it was so strong and and, um, poignant for everything that's going on right now. And it was really overwhelming, honestly, the responses that I got and Mm -hmm. it was, as an artist, I mean, that's just like the most incredible thing that you can hear, Mm -hmm. you know, that your work has touched people in that way. And I think that it just speaks to kind of what we're all feeling and yearning for right now is that human connection is that sense of, of oneness of community because you know we're all isolated um, physically but also just with everything that's been going on with the election and, and the, the Black Lives Matter protests and all sorts of things. Um, I think that that text just really spoke to people, you know,
2: it absolutely absolutely does. Uh, it was an amazing piece. Um, thank you. Thank you for creating it. Um, yeah. So um, you have a Im- really impressive resume. You've, you've trained in all kinds of dance styles at Hofstra, uh, from ballet to jazz, to modern and hip hop. You've appeared in Broadway tour. You've been in TV and film productions, live productions. In addition, uh, you find time for personal projects like this one. I'm not sure where you find the time, but you, know, you want to talk a little bit about how rewarding uh, these personal projects are for you.
3: Yeah, of course, Um, and you know it kind of it ebbs and flows your your free time, so to say, um, depending on what other jobs you're doing. But you know, I've I've been in I was in a show on Broadway for a year and a half, and when you're in a long term show like that, it's wonderful because it's job stability, and um, you know it's it's fun and it's something to go to every day, and it carries all of that with it um but at the same time you're doing the exact same show every single day and if you're in the cast you're doing the steps that somebody else told you to do every single day you know and so um you do that show for over a year I mean I did the same show you know 700 times or something like that so um you do start to get a an inner desire to like create something else and to put your own work out there and to just have something else going on the side to keep the creative inspiration flowing. Um, otherwise it can start to feel kind of stagnant. And so I think as artists, we really do push ourselves to always have something else churning on the side. Um, because if I do another project, that gets my energy flowing and that gets me inspired and that changes everything within me. And then I'm gonna bring that excitement into my other job, into the show that I'm in. And it's gonna make me a better performer over there. And they're gonna keep bouncing off of each other. Um, so as artists, I do think it's always important to kind of have your hand in a couple of little different things because they're all going to affect one another. Um, but yeah, it is. Sometimes it's tricky. Sometimes like you literally just do not have time to do anything else and that's okay too. But, uh, one, one little silver lining in this pandemic, I think is that all of those big shows have stopped. There is no Broadway. There are no tours. And so suddenly we have all of this free time, so to say, and, People have been able to kind of put energy and time into little ideas that have been festering for years that they've never been able to, to designate time to, you know, and they probably had to do them in a different way now because we're obviously socially distancing and all those kind of things. But um, it has been nice to have a little quiet time to, to turn to things that are individual passions instead of just, you know, a job
2: you know we seem to be as divided or as polarized as we've ever we ever been uh, and uh what do you think is needed for us to come together and overcome this uh, divisiveness
3: oh my gosh i wish there was like a really easy answer <laughs> you know um i think we all do uh yeah i it y- It is hard to not feel kind of helpless. I will say that because that is such a massive issue (laughs) and it's hard to even know kind of where to start. Um, I think the biggest thing is just understanding like furthering our understanding of other people and who they are and where they come from and their stories and their backgrounds and their values. Um, I think that the divisiveness comes when we don't give time and space for that. And we judge someone based off of how they look and we don't know anything about them and we don't care to know anything about them or take the time or want to know I think that is the real problem. And if we could all just listen a little bit more, we might, yeah, we might, we might, we might understand better and we might realize that some of the preconceived notions that we had are, are not grounded in anything, you know? so I do think that like just a better understanding of one another is the ultimate key, but how we get there is is more tricky. Um, I do personally, you know, I think that art can play a big role in that, um, which is kind of what I have been striving for in my recent work, I think a lot of times, artists, especially dance and theater, can kind of be regarded as fluff, as entertainment and jazz hands, and you know something for fun. And um, and it can, it can be that for sure, but it can also serve a much deeper purpose. And that's personally my mission at for being an artist is to do something deeper with it. Than just entertain. You know, I really do think that it can heal. I really do think that it can open people's minds and broaden people's horizons um, in a way that watching the news isn't going to, or just having someone talk to them isn't going to. I think that, uh, you know, people get drawn into art even when they don't expect to be. And it can change something within them. And I, I think that that's valuable and I don't think it should be overlooked. And I want it to be more present and just keep pushing forward. Cause I do think that artists are a really valuable resource for healing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, is that the news is so in your face with it. And whereas the arts is almost like, it's almost subversive, right? There's a way to kind of, you know, give people a, you know a good time and kind of slip in the message you know kind of exactly in the door, you know
3: right if you can go out to a show just expecting to be entertained and you go out for dinner and you go to a show and you can leave actually thinking something differently or being like hey you know what actually i never thought of it that way or that mm-hmm. made me realize this um that's going to stick with you a lot more that experience than if you were to just again hear something on the news or whatever.
2: yeah absolutely well, well, that's, um, that's it. I, I, really, um, I really appreciate your time. And, and yeah, um, like, I, like I said, um, Paku and I, uh, we're, we were so um, impressed with, with oh, your work and, you. and, we're, and we're really looking forward to uh, seeing, seeing further works. Yeah, from, thank from you, me. I
3: appreciate yeah. it.
2: And, uh, and, and please,
3: I appreciate what you guys are doing down there. I think this is so important just to have these, you know, these little conversations can really go a long way. So uh, yes. thank you for the work you're doing. Absolutely. Well, we'll stay in touch. Yes, of course.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Yes, thank you, Reggie.
2: Take take care of yourself, Sarah.
3: Thank you. Same to you.
1: Whether you're like us in our classrooms and you're trying to make connections with your students or you're preparing for a job interview or any situation where you really need to, to be present with another person, what's really needed is authentic human connections. What are your thoughts, Reggie?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely think that that's the case, because um, I know that, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I got into journalism initially was to be able to meet new people. And, and that was one of the things that really I, I enjoyed, getting the chance to meet new people, do different things. And mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the things I really thought was, was uh, a different experience that I wasn't expecting is when I started teaching and students... Um, uh, really didn't like having to interact with people that they didn't know. I wasn't really um, prepared for that. So um, I, I, I really think that, I don't know if that's something that's kind of uh, contributing to, to the issues that we're seeing. What's
1: well, interesting because um, you see, especially with young people, but I mean, people in general, they're, they're texting, they're, they're emailing, there's all sorts of communication going on, yet there's a difference when it's face-to-face. Uh, I wonder if that has to do with technology. I think it does have something
2: to do with technology because I think that uh, young people, I found that young people are very intimidated uh, when uh, they're forced to have to uh, reach out and interact with people that they don't know. Um, and, you know, and one of the things that they, they find out, uh, it's actually a thing, if you were to look it up on, on the Internet, it's called conversational competence. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that that my students find is that it's really not it's really not that bad. I, I force them to interview kind of like some of the interviews that we've done on the show. And right. really, all, all, all an interview is, is a, is, a, is really a targeted conversation, yeah. um, you know, so um, and, 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 and so. So really there's, but the fear a lot of times uh, going in is, is what um, students um, are looking at. And, but once they do it, they find out it's really not that bad. So
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can even, I even find myself sometimes having some anxiety when it comes to the idea of having a, a one-on-one face-to-face conversation with somebody. Um, and it's interesting that we would even think about Needing to be trained for that sort of a skill, that sort of a competency, when it's something that just we we assume we can do, but really, I guess we don't really have to do it that often anymore.
2: Well, it, I mean, uh, you know, when I was in journalism school and when I was uh, working as a, a journalist for, for a number of years, it it just was kind of second nature. I mean, it you know to go up to someone that you don't know and to speak to that person. Um, but uh, you know, you kind of take it for granted uh, that you know that you assume that well, this is fine for everyone to do, and, and, and it's it's not the case. So, um, you know, it's 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 sometimes difficult to to uh, kind of assume that everyone has your same experience. So a lot of times, because people don't have the same experiences and they don't feel comfortable doing the same thing. So, um, right. but I I do think that that is a, a key piece and key ingredient. To being able to understand. One of the things that Sarah Parker talked about is understanding. And it's very difficult to understand someone if you cannot converse with that person.
1: And I, so, I wonder, I wonder. So we're talking about authentic connection, we're talking about conversational competence. Those are some those are those are very technical terms. Um, and I wonder if there's a way that we can connected just with experience so that it, it seems less technical and something more, more natural. Um, I remember, yeah. I mean, could you tell us some stories about, um, I, I think you were sharing earlier some stories about uh, your parents.
2: Yeah, so w- one of the things I had, uh, I had um, written about and, and, and uh, it's kind of a driving, is a driving motivator for me uh, with this campaign is uh, I, I had written a couple of stories. Uh, One of them is about my mother. Um, And when she had um, uh, uh, connected with uh, a stranger uh, Mm -hmm. um, and and they had become friends. And as a result, um, I have one of my best friends um, that I've known for 50 plus years and um, both of the fam- our families are very close. And then I have also a story about my dad um, who had connected with someone who was very different than him. And um, it's just a very touching story. So, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I think it's very, very important for us to bridge the gap um, and uh, the differences mm-hmm. between or among us, because they could uh, drive us apart.
1: Yeah, and those, I remember um, when you were sharing those stories, just how, um, how moving and how touching they were. And I think that if we all look to those, we all have those experiences, whether, it's with, whether we're looking to our families or, or people that we know closely, um, where we can kind of get that modeling of what authentic connection looks like. Um, and we'll be sure to include uh, links to those stories and, and the information for this episode. And now here's the part of our show when we highlight some inspirational stories in the news.
2: Our first story is from Chicago,
1: where Emily Bug
2: and Billy Lewis decided to cancel their plans for a big wedding because of the pandemic. They decided instead to have a small city hall ceremony and use their non refundable $5,000 catering deposit to buy 200 box Thanksgiving dinners for local residents living with mental challenges.
1: For this one, a moving company based in the Tampa Bay area, just a few hours from us, is offering to help victims of domestic violence by moving them anywhere in the country for free. College hunks, hauling, junk, and moving has relocated more than 100 survivors of domestic violence during this coronavirus pandemic. In Minnesota,
2: hundreds of people paid it forward after one man paid for the car behind him in a Dairy Queen drive-through. More than 900 drivers participated
4: in this gesture of goodwill just before the holidays. And finally, a Florida Panhandle businessman paid more than $7,000 of past due utility bills for 114 households so their electricity would not be turned off. Michael Esmond, a business owner in Gulf Breeze, did the same thing last year. His business had been doing well and he hated to see others struggling. So he decided to do something about it. Those are such great stories and for our next segment we want to highlight a few of the photos of our supporters wearing the Just Be Cool t-shirts.
2: Here Billy poses with his Just Be Cool shirt across the pond in London, England.
4: Erica in North Carolina poses with her Just Be Cool shirt. Erica is an awesome English language arts teacher.
2: Suzette and Aaron ham it up on St. Augustine Beach.
4: Love the low angle? That makes it cool. Feel free to send us your photos. You can post them on our Facebook page or send them to us via email. It's raffle time. This is when we select a deserving teacher to receive a free shirt. If you wanna nominate a teacher, click on the nominating form found on our Facebook page or on our website. Reggie, spin the wheel.
2: This month's winner is Alicia Stein. Alicia teaches at Bay Haven School of Basics Plus in Sarasota, Florida. Her nominator wrote that she's an incredibly creative and caring instructor, and her students adore her. Congratulations, Alicia. We hope you wear your new Just Be Cool t-shirt with pride.
4: That's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and thanks for watching. Be sure to check us out online at our website, www.justbecool.co, and our Facebook page. Feel free to email us at justbecoolyall@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
2: In a world where you can be anything, be considerate, be kind, and just be cool. Bye now. Use the
0: hate, don't act a fool, spewing words vile and cruel. Live by five the golden rule. Consider it kind and just be cool.